I'm alone in my Thank house. Thank you for tuning in to The Queer Truth, a podcast that takes on a variety of topics from pop culture to everyday life. I'm Chantel C. You can call me CC, and I'm joined by my partner in organizing, Denise. What it do? Hey, it does all the things. It does all the things. All the things. You know, yes. I, um, I discovered a new tea this week. It's called Pusha Tea. And oh. it is full of surprises and twists and turns on the taste buds. You think you're going left and then you're taking right. Have you tried that tea? You know that tea? <laughs> okay, but you know, I'm Team Drake right now. I've I have to say. Okay. Oh, all of a sudden you Team Drake? Let me tell you about yourself. You don't know loyalty, Jim and I, because I've always no. been Team Drake. And you was like, ah, nah, Drake took an L on this one. Eh. So why are we team Drake now? You. I don't know that person. Uh-huh. Why? You can't connect why? me to her. <laughs> why are you now all of a sudden team Drake? I don't know. I think it was the LeBron endorsement. Uh, wow. Actually, I'm, the, the, I'm team LeBron and whatever LeBron says, whoever LeBron says is good is good. That's it. That's it. It's easy. That's it. See, easy. You're on the right team now. Team LeBron is a good team to be on. Especially with his cute video this week, singing Frozen with his daughter in the back of the car. Aww. It was very cute. He said when she's in the car, she owns the radio. So they were singing Frozen. It was very, <laughs> very cute. So we're not going to go into all of the tea spilt on Joe Except Budden's show. Except to say show. that, rap- that Rapidus is so catty and messy and here for drama. That's all I got to say about that. Like, that was, that was the one... Thing that people became very very clear on was that like how how gossipy they are how catty they are you know whatever because this was too much you know you got <laughs> you got a bite back interview <laughs> yeah. talking about your daddy son relationship with LeBron but what do you think is good LeBron <laughs> whatever you say I should do I'm a two it was just it was a lot LeBron is like only two or three years older than Drake. And mm-hmm. and he had him tied all the way up. He said, listen, <laughs> and Drake sat up straight. I'm listening. So speaking of. He's very grounded. Speaking I would of, listen. <laughs> I would listen too. LeBron, LeBron is, is clear. So speaking of messy rappers. Yeah. The self-proclaimed originator of trap music, T.I., who now. Mr. Rubber Band. Who now goes by Tip. Well, actually, he always went by Tip. His family always called him Tip. But he went by T.I. as a rapper. Now he wants to be called Tip. Okay. Tip is uh, very verbose and has a large vocabulary. And on Instagram last week, he was very upset with a certain Mr. West and went on a long rant about how Mr. West invited him to go on that trip to the White House. And he declined. And he was appalled to see how events unfolded in the Oval Office. Shortly after that, over the weekend, he released a clip that I was like, is this even his? Until I went to his Instagram and saw that, indeed, (laughs) he is the person who released the video. It's like a promo video because he has, you know, he has a new album coming out. And in this promo video... You see, it's like switching between actual footage of 45 getting into a helicopter and leaving the White House, going on some trip, and a Melania lookalike stripping and dancing for him 
in the Oval Office. I mean, beyond the fact that Tip probably wouldn't be able to get into the Oval Office if 45 isn't present, Melania stripping and his doing with her what he wants, how is that and, and better? Not only that, but- how is that better than what Mr. West did. I will say, though, you know, minds are split here, right? A lot of people were like, ha ha, that's how you do it, Tip. Show them. Show them how it's done. And when, like, the the white peoples were outraged and whatever not and asking for a boycott, black people were never not boycotting Tip for you. Are you kidding? And then the other part of the mind is like, how is uh, having sexual relations with a racist white woman who's married to the person in like one of the most powerful positions and who's driving the world into chaos? How How is that? Where's Where's the message? Hmm. So what mind are you? My mind is this is exactly what people mean when they say that that black men are the white people, the black people, <laughs> like that black het cis men are the white people of black people. Like, this is what they mean. Like, they mean, y'all not interested in actual... There was one person who said that. Let's give him credit. It's not they. It was Damon Young. But yes, continue. Damon Young? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, he he started the person Uh that started... Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's so clear that T.I., at least in his estimation, is actually on the same page as Kanye West. They're not necessarily interested in the liberation of all. They're They're interested... In getting theirs, whatever Ooh, theirs girl, looks like. Girl, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to cut in on that. Like, let me hold on one second. Hold on. That's, that's, and I am not. And mm, I am not saying because I know mm. Ti has. Hold on. <laughs> Ti has a whole history, especially in Hotlanta, with the things that he does. I'm talking with his presentation in this video. It's. It was. I sent you this video and said, this is such a lost opportunity. And it was a lost opportunity because he actually had a cogent critique of Kanye. Mm -hmm. And then instead of following up that critique with bundling it in in with his, um, his, his album push out and his promo stuff, he decided to take it back like 20 years and be like, the the worst thing that can happen to a man is that you sleep with his significant other, right? Because there's a lot of Trump in this video too. Trump getting on a helicopter, acting like he's oblivious. And so the implication is I'm in the White House having having fun times with Melania while you all being, you know, you. And so when when you know, a lot of times when rappers talk about I had your girl, it's not even about the girl. It's about the dude. They're talking to the dude, you know, they wouldn't be interested in that girl. If it, so it's like so misogynistic. And then on top of that, like what, like you said, like what, what appeal should a racist white woman even have for you as a black man? Like what, how could that, like, that would be disgusting to me. Like, I don't even understand like why that's sexy. So it's really just about power and using women as these like objects to be acquired and so in this video, he like essentially proves that like this just isn't his, he should have talked to LeBron. This is not his <laughs> forte. Uh, he should have consulted LeBron before making this video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So in other messy rapper news, the breakup that I thought already happened a few years ago has mm. now happened. Which breakup? Girl, Diddy. Diddy and Diddy. Cassie. Diddy and Girl. Cassie. They like 
Diddy's sitting at home right now saying, how can I break up when I was always single? <laughs> no. He was always single. No. I think what Diddy needs to uh, revisit is what we call ethical non-monogamy because obviously Diddy loves Cassie, right? And mm. that's that's like his number one. But he also likes side chicks. Mm-hmm. And that was the cause of their so-called breakup a few years ago that apparently wasn't a breakup. But now he has been, you know, taking a new chick, Ocelin Chu, out to the public events, which has led to Cassie confirming or having her publicist confirm that they're no longer together. Mm-hmm. But that's none of my business. But I will say, Diddy, can you get on the ethical non-monogamy train? Can you just... Can you just talk to the women's to, to see what's possible? I mean, can we can we also talk about how part of what gets um, these these specific kinds of, of dudes off is the power trip, the sneakiness, right? Like the fact that it is hidden. That's their kink. Their kink is you, you think cheating. that is Diddy too? Diddy kind of. Yeah. Did he kind of grown now? I, I mean, is that really yeah. still a thing? Oh sure, sure. I'm sure I put chest hairs on him like the cheek. <laughs> But it can't be because he's taking these people into public venues, spaces where he knows he's going to be photographed. That can't be the driving force. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure that's what makes it super sexy for him is this kind of like, you know, I does what I want when I want. And this lack of accountability to other people. I think, you know, um, Laverne Cox just just came out with the video that that I posted on the account um, talking about how she, for the first time in 10 years, is in a monogamous relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how, you know, and, and she doesn't knock polyamory, but she says, I just didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I deserved this level of accountability and attention and that I was, was worth, I was worthy of it essentially. And I think that that level of debasement is what a lot of people get off on when they go ahead and be dishonest in situations that really didn't even call for that because they're dealing with other adults. They're reasonable that would have been like, oh, okay, so these are your desires. Let me see if that matches up with mine and what we could agree to or not, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not about, okay, can I be polyamorous? It's like, do I have to be accountable to you? Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of dudes, their kink is, no, I don't. I don't have to be accountable to you. And that's what gets them all. That's what gets them all. And Diddy has a type. Mm-hmm. Can I just throw that out there? Okay. He has a type. No. We're not. Yeah. We're not gonna discuss the time. Oh, well, let's talk on it. It's young. <laughs> it's young. It's Jocelyn is twenty six. Yeah. Diddy, Diddy, you're not. You're not. You're no longer at the 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 twenty six dating age. You have no. surpassed that. He gotta. He gotta be there. He gotta be there. He, he clearly doesn't want someone to match him pound for pound. Like that's. It's so clear. It's so clear that you know he don't want somebody he got history with. He needs to be a new Diddy with every new partner. <laughs> Like, he, he ain't tough no more. You understand what I mean? Like he's a, he's a new person now because he's got this new young thing. And this is what I talk about within, you know, toxic heterosexuality, this idea of women as acquisitions, mm. right? Like she's just, you know, she's probably an amazing person. I'm not, I'm not knocking her. I'm just saying, you know, for given the power dynamics at play, you know, it's so clear that he has acquired 
something mm-hmm. that makes him feel a certain way uh, through this relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. it is what it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. In other news, a lot of us are really excited because Solange has put the feelers out that she's dropping another album this year. Obviously, after the the major success that she experienced in 2016 and 17 with what you considered like her first album. Right. Right. I was like, you've never made music before. I have never heard your voice. I, I don't. I, did you exist before this? Like now, I I know she made music before, and some of, of it was actually pretty dope. Um, but, but this was the one that resonated, right? Yes, like just one hundred percent. No, no fast forwards. Even the interludes, the interludes like especially. Yeah, and and you know the beauty of it was the title. The title of the album was "A Seat at the Table," and that's what she gave herself with that album she gave herself a seat at the table she experienced a great deal of success she won a grammy for best r&b performance of cranes in the sky she performed Mm. for president obama at the Mm. final white house party and so on and so forth she did some great things right so interestingly she was interviewed by ayana mathis for the new york times it was a very Mm. long feature it's beautiful beautifully written and the reason i wanted to talk about it beyond the 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 weird photo shoot was <laughs> you better you better respect that pelvis i just <laughs> respect I, it i i don't know but i what i thought was interesting in this interview was how different it was from any other interview that you would normally see in these types of publications and there's a lot going on for example in photography a lot of people are talking about um, there's a, a big prize that was just announced here in London, the Taylor Vessing Prize that you can see at the National Portrait Gallery. And two years running, the the images that have won are of Black people. And the photographers behind those images are white. And someone did like this great Twitter thread on how problematic it is. Not because the images themselves were problematic. And he, you know, he repeats that over and over. He was like, actually, these images aren't problematic. And that's what's interesting about it. The jurors are going for safe. They're going for images that present themselves as we already see Black people presented over and over and over again. But not negatively and not you know, racist, not stereotypically, none of that, but safe. It doesn't bring any discomfort from a white gay's perspective, like a Zanella Moholy portrait might. And in this article, there's a lot of from Black woman to Black woman. You know, we look at each other in a certain way because the author is apparently a Black woman. Solange is a Black woman. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really interesting take on this feature, she brings a lot of, the author brings a lot of her own experiences in to connect with Solange's experiences. For example, growing up in a Black church, you know, the experience of living in a Black body in the U.S., you know, current politics with Black Lives Matter. And I just felt like it was almost like she was baby feeding it. But of course, it is the New York Times. So of course, there's a more diverse audience. But how did it, I don't know, was it felt almost a little too precious. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like, I'm, I'm feeling a lot like, you know, Solange is, is receiving her own Beyonce type of reverence that people associate with Beyonce. This kind of like, if you a Beyonce fan, you can't say anything. Like, you just don't have to. You just like, oh, she blew her nose. That meant that was the representation of her blowing out. You know, like, you just, there's no critique. There's just like, wow, she's just so dope on every level. 
I think that Solange inspires that in her own way mm-hmm. and on in, in a lot of ways on even possibly a more spiritual level for people. Like, because I think that with that album, people felt so seen in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't necessarily uh, think it's too too precious. I just think this that... particular piece, not generalized, this mm-hmm. particular piece, how it's writ- felt to me very it felt to me like it was written out for someone other than me but the whole piece is focused on how Solange is focused on making creating art for black audiences even if it means bringing black audiences to typically white spaces which she finds transformative she says that's her mission right so if your whole piece is on this person who is creating art and art is is wide, right? She's making visual art, performative art, music. If your whole piece is about this person who's creating art for Black audiences, why are you explaining things to that Black audience in the piece that we don't need explained? Because you're in the New York Times. Let's talk about the readership there, right? Like you, But I said I that mean, already. She's, yeah, I mean, that's why she's doing it, because she understands who she's talking to. Okay. I mean, wait, this is not in the root. This is not... In essence, right? Like this is in the New York Times. And so the, the large piece of her audience was just like Solange, Beyonce had a sister. Like, wow. you know, so yes. Even, yes. I don't even know if they know that considering somebody at uh, Coachella was talking about, I hope Beyonce sings Umbrella. Oh, stop. <laughs> you didn't hear about that? Yes. Shout out, shout out to Rihanna for not doing the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> Shout out in support of Colin Kaepernick. Mm. Shout out to Rihanna. But yeah, I mean, Solange, you know, has her own thing, but a lot of people aren't, they're still not as familiar with her as they should be. Mm-hmm. So I see it as somewhat of like an introduction. And I'm really interested to see what she's going to do with this new album and if she actually addresses that. Because I feel like Gabe was not centered in the in the seat at the table. And I hope that she never censors it. You feel like what wasn't censored? The white gaze was not censored. The white gaze wasn't and, censored. In a seat at the table. And I hope that she never censors the white gaze. But this is who this, this particular author was. And, I, you know, like, let's be real about being, you know, this author herself, right? You said is a Black woman. And so she's working, she's writing for the New York Times herself is a black body in a white space Mm -hmm. um that is an overwhelmingly white team Mm -hmm. right an elite like they all went to like you know the best of the best colleges right like this is not you know some this is not necessarily a meritocracy you're born into you're born for the most part to work at the new york times let's just be real about that so she herself has certain strategies and ways of navigating that experience that might not be necessarily familiar to some people. In our second segment, we're going to start this conversation in one place. We'll see where it ends. Uh, last week, I was already told about this, but I just I just had to wait for a few articles to appear because it, it just felt hard to believe that something like this could be published. So in... In the UK, you have what they call A-levels and GCSEs that are required for you to take in order to, it defines what university you're going to be able to apply for, basically. And so in the US, it's it's not quite the same, but it's like, you know, taking your AP or maybe your SAT, ACT. You cannot study without these tests, right? So it's it's like so important for your high school diploma. And they, they're, you, there's a whole 
market around it, of course. And there are textbooks that you can buy in order to prepare for these. And girl, in one of my WhatsApp groups, somebody sent around this passage last week and I could not believe my eyes. Now, we've seen this in the U.S. when they be talking about the workers instead of calling them uh, enslaved people. But this was like the sociology textbook and it was recently released. It's like a new publication and it said, I quote, in Caribbean families, the fathers and husbands are largely absent and women assume the most responsibility in child rearing. When men and women live together, it is usually in cohabiting or common law relationships that reproduce the traditional patriarchal division of labor. The family system is also characterized by child shifting. That is the passing of children to other relatives or acquaintances if the parents find themselves unable to take care of them. As a result, multiple women are involved in childhood socialization. End quote. Yo. <laughs> this is the, the like certified textbook study guide for sociology for a test that like a lot of people take to go to university and that was just in there like Mm -hmm. unchallenged there was no empirical data there was nothing there was no context there was nothing in there to substantiate the claim so the publisher said okay and this was republished in 2017 so i'm not sure why it took so long for it to come out but anyway the critique came uh everybody was yelling you know institutional racism and the publisher was like oh what happened what happened what happened they said quote we are taking this feedback very seriously we will be working with the authors and reviewing the entire textbook as a result of the concerns raised end quote they immediately took it off the market how did it get there to begin with is the better question but what i found troubling here was so many people uh when having the discussion when being interviewed around the the subject were trying to explain it oh well you have to put it into context and you have to look at our Mm -hmm. black people you have to put it into context and you have to look at our history of in you know of slavery and racism and this and that and these people trying to explain it and i was like why is that okay maybe this is from my academic background right but i was like why are you trying why are you starting there and the what was interesting was the people i saw being interviewed somewhat and some of the people i just saw explaining it on social media those were people who were raised in two parent homes mm-hmm. so they so weren't so they weren't even, but they weren't even questioning the validity of the statement even though it wasn't even their experience and that means the narrative has worked if you didn't if you didn't if that wasn't even your experience and you haven't even grown up that way but you feel compelled to explain it then something has gone wrong my starting point would be again where's the data oh you don't have any empirical data mm-hmm. because sociology is a social science so i know that you have to work with empirical data I don't know. I mean, like anthropology and sociology. Anthropology and is not sociology. I understand. That's why I said and, not anthropology. But you sociology slash. <laughs> but um, a lot of even even sciences like biology, right? Um, hard, what was considered more hard sciences, right? Have all been used to prop up racist um, ideas, right? And to prop up racism. So so this isn't a new trend. It's just knew that it's caught and it could be um, seriously critiqued in this way. And to be quite honest, I don't necessarily know if social media was not what it is today, if such a statement in a textbook would have called for the recall of the textbook, to be quite honest. It would have been a a letter writing campaign around academics that are um, engaged around these issues 
and the publisher could have been like big shock, you know, and and that would have been that. But mm-hmm. because they have so much sunlight on them, now here you go. Now someone caught it, and mm-hmm. now it's out there, and they have to do something, right? So that's what's up. But it's all, you know, we've got scientific studies, you know, um, absolutely proving that, you know, people of color are less intelligent, right? And 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 they can do with the empirical data whatever they need to do to make that justification. So I'm not necessarily so caught up on the idea of empirical data because I understand that racism isn't about logic and it's not about making sense. And that's what, you know, and, and the fact that it makes it into a textbook um, tells you that it's not about logic and making sense or how many degrees you have. Uh, it just means that now you have the language necessary to justify those ideas in a way that seem academically uh, uh, that seem academically responsible, right? I'm not caught and, up on the idea of data. My point is, though, when you were invited to ha- give an interview about this subject and you start with explaining it rather than questioning its substance, then that says something about our mindsets and how we've been oh, sure. affected mm-hmm. by this narrative. We buy into the narrative. We feel, and we buy into the narrative that we, any random black person, has to explain why this is the family picture. What mm-hmm. if that is the family picture? What's the problem? What's the problem with several women being involved in in rearing one child? The problem is it doesn't match some Eurocentric ideal that has been created over the last 300, 400 years, right? But that's, that's, a, that's a European style of, of there's a nuclear family and mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not everyone's style. That's not how you find indigenous cultures to have raised children. So this idea that we have to defend for it to make sense to the white model is, my, is more my point. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I feel like the, the UK specificity of the kind of stuff that has been coming down around specific, specifically Afro-Caribbean people in the UK, British citizen of Afro-Caribbean descent from mm-hmm. Windrush to this to other instances that have happened. I think it's very specific. It's a specific kind of uh, effort. I, I think it's coordinated. You think it's coordinated? Oh, yeah. You yeah. think a government sure. that can't yeah. even get themselves together for like the, the major event of the next 100 years? They got to is... be doing something. <laughs> they got to be doing something. They're not doing Brexit, right? You know, they got to be doing something. It seems like what the something that they're doing is this. Really? You going to you going to go conspiracy theory on it? 100 percent Illuminati. 100 percent. 100 percent. Right. Mason. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Okay, so what what would you say if you were interviewed, right? Right. And someone was like, okay, this thing happened. This was the passage. The publisher has said, you know, this is how this is we're looking into it. What would your message be on like the BBC or Good Morning Britain or whatever? Nobody should talk to me for the BBC. Like that's <laughs> why would they do this? Why not? They talk to all kinds of people. They're trying no. to have more diverse voices. More diverse voices. They could go somewhere with that. <laughs> what would my little soundbite be? Yeah, like what would what would you center? Because you know people don't they don't have good attention spans. You certainly don't. So like what would ooh, be? Ooh, the shade. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow, so... I need to get back in the sun. <laughs> 
So what would be like the one, two things that you would say that you would want people to remember to understand why why this is problematic? I I would say that there's a 4% difference between uh, Caribbean families and the national average. And that these people took a 4% difference, which actually doesn't, uh, could be statistical error Mm -hmm. and turned it into a fundamental way of life Mm -hmm. because they needed to uh, justify their own misconceptions about who Afro-Caribbeans are in Britain. That's what I would say. That is beautiful. And I'm so glad you said it because you was on me about the data. And the first thing that I said when I saw this was the difference is not the difference is statistically insignificant. Mm -hmm. It's statistically insignificant. But Mm -hmm. this is what they chose to write. Those are exactly my words. See, we be on the same level sometimes. But you be acting like you you be acting like. It is. It's a, true. I'm just it's a true. Drake floating in this world. Oh, my LeBron. There you go. <laughs> but it's it's shocking to me that that with so much happening and and there's been so much because of the anniversary anniversary of Windrush. It's it's shocking to me that this could be published in the year 2017. Oh man, not with Teresa May at the helm. I see her. I see you in this, Teresa. She probably wrote this herself. And in our final segment, what are we looking forward to? What are we excited about? Oh, I'm looking forward to coming on the Thursday of next week is Rafiki. Uh-oh. That's it. That's it. You know, it's really hard for us here in the small town of Vienna, in the smaller country of Austria, <laughs> to get a movie that's shown <laughs> on the big streets. You know, we put on our best dresses. Mm. And we head down to the movie theater uh-huh. to see the thing. And so this um, this Thursday, we will be able to see Rafiki, which is, was banned initially um, in, in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then they, they launched a suit. Uh, they won the suit. And they launched a suit so that they wouldn't be banned, so that they would be eligible for Oscar consideration. Mm-hmm. And... Um, in the short period of time where it actually played in the country, it killed the box office, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I don't, you know, I, I just the visuals have me stunned. So I can talk about it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. What about the, the visuals? visuals mm-hmm. The visuals. Shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a tale of two women in a romantic relationship with, with each other, uh, despite a lot of things uh in kenya and it just seems really cute Mm. seems real lovely i'm interested what are you looking forward to what are you ready for so well next week and everybody's all confused because every time i announce that next week it's africa on the square everyone's like what i thought that was in the summer nope it maybe once was but this year they putting us black folks out in the cold and on Saturday we will rain upon Trafalgar Square to celebrate Africa on the Square. I love Africa on the Square. I think it's a lot of fun. <clears throat> there's always live music. There's stalls. There's food. You can buy clothes. Obviously, mm. that's going to be a lot of fun. This weekend um, is, I believe, the last installment of Batty Mama, the last installment of 2018 at least. So... And they're at a new venue yet again. So for those of you who are into the the the, the B-pop queerness with the uh, drag kings celebrations and this and that and the other, head on out to Batty Mama on Saturday, uh, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. at 
a venue I don't know. It's called Set. And lastly, so I saw Star is Born last night. I like got in on the okay. wait list. I watched okay. it. I didn't even know I could feel like this for Bradley Cooper. I didn't know, but I can. Bradley got that little, he did that white Americana drunk man so, so well. And his <laughs> was so beautiful and him and Lady Gaga had so much energy on the screen I was I was okay. feeling it I mean the first half of the film is definitely stronger than the second half of the film I will say and it is apparently a remake I, had, I didn't know that so Judy Garland has played this role Barbara Streisand has played this role so now I feel like I gotta go watch the old ones but mm-hmm. I appreciated this remake. They did some updates with it. They had some drag queens. Some of you might recognize Willem from Drag Race on there. So there were some fun bits. And then Anthony Ramos, who uh, played the most extra dude on She's Gotta Have It, he's in there. I was feeling him, too. Him and Lady Gaga are like besties in the film. So that's really cute. Some of you might know him from Hamilton. I haven't seen Hamilton. So I only know him from She's Gotta Have It. But it was a fun film to watch. I liked it. I don't know about all the hype around Oscar season, but we'll see how that goes. But I enjoyed it. It was good. So check it out if you feel like it. I'm happy that Lady Gaga represented. Oh, she did. She did. Like, I I do see her performance as very strong, and I could imagine her being nominated for sure. Well, that's all for this week. If you would like to keep up with us, you can follow us on Twitter at The Queer Truth. We'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the things we've discussed today, so feel free to get at us. And we do still have our Patreon page, patreon.com slash The Queer Truth. Support us. Keep us going. (laughs) Until next time, peace out.